I'm going to bring us um, some scripture now. So it's from the book of John and it's chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. So this is my most favourite Christmas Bible verse. And to some people, they might think, well, that's a bit of a weird favourite Bible verse for Christmas. It's not about the donkeys, or it's not about the shepherds. It's not about there being no room at the inn. Who was an innkeeper in the school play? No? Yeah. I was the angel Gabriel because it had the most words. There's a surprise. (laughs) It's not about Mary. It's not about Joseph or the wise people bringing gold, frankincense and myrrh. It's not about angels or a star to follow or a census to be taken. It's all about the beginning. It's about the beginning of everything. It's hard to imagine a time before time itself, a time before God ordained all of the design of everything, before space and universe, before galaxies and stars, before the sun, moon and planets, before water and land, before plants and animals and before humankind. It just all seems so massive, so inexplicable. And yet this passage lays it down that the word that is Jesus, when it talks about the word in this passage, it means Jesus. Jesus always was and he always will be. Jesus was there when God created the heavens and the earth. When he created fruit trees, velociraptors, and the humble dung beetle. Jesus was with God through everything. In fact, Jesus and God go hand in hand. There isn't one without the other. When I was thinking about great partnerships today, I was thinking of, firstly, the Chuckle Brothers, obviously a child of the 80s, Uh, Then we think about Jobs and Wozniak, Sonny and Cher, Morecambe and Wise, Anton Deck, Anthony and Cleopatra. Some of these couplings were more successful than others. Some of them were a bit murderous. But all of them existed without the other one. They were separate. They were partners and yet they were separate. But it's different with God and Jesus. They're one forever before time itself. And when it came to laying the foundations of the earth, they were there together. When the first people came into being, they were there together. When humans messed up and did things that went against God, or as I say to children, that did things that don't put a smile on God's face, and sin entered the world, God and Jesus were there together. Throughout all of the rescue attempts that we read about in the old bit of the Bible, like Noah's Ark, they were there together. 
And so when Jesus, the ultimate rescue plan, came to earth as a tiny baby, God and Jesus were there. But a rescue plan involving a baby, it seems a bit crazy, doesn't it? Five weeks ago, I became an auntie again. Woo-hoo, to little baby Bertie, and he is beautiful. And if you are unfortunate enough to spend any more than two minutes around me, I will whip out my phone and show you pictures and videos and tell you all the stories about my nieces and nephews, because I'm one of those embarrassing aunts that's so proud of them. I can't help it. They bring me so much joy. It bubbles out of me. And I tell anyone, whether they're willing to listen or not, all about them. Does anybody have any babies in their lives that they do that with? Yeah, yeah. I bet grandparents are the worst, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just can't help it. But the loveliest thing, I think, about babies, and baby Bertie has this right now, is when they have that baby smell on the top of their head. Do we know what I'm talking about? Well, you can't help but smush them and smell them. And it looks a little bit weird. Um, But if you could capture that and bottle it up, I think you'd be not only a millionaire, a billionaire, there is no better smell on this earth. I love my nieces and nephews. I've got a lot of them. I love spending time with them. I love playing games with them. I love reading them stories. I love buying them presents, although I've been banned from buying any more leopard print. (laughs) You know, good auntie duties. And that's all really fun. But babies aren't that easy, are they? They depend on their adults for so much. They need feeding and washing and changing their nappies, which is gross, and you give them back to the parents. They need carrying and they need support and they need this thing called tummy time, which I really don't understand. You can't leave them on their own. You can't just go, oh, crack on. (laughs) Have a nice day. I'm off to work. They need you. They are completely dependent on their caregivers. And Jesus, God himself, decided that he would come to earth as one of these tiny, completely dependent babies to become one of these small, beautiful, tiny humans who would need everything doing for them. But why? What difference can a small baby make to this world? Matt is going to tell us later. So, Nicola asked you a moment ago if anyone was an innkeeper in a school play. Just quickly, by a show of hands, like, like who was a, an, a part in the nativity story when you were a child? Just put your hands up, just like, you know. So, loads of us were. We were all playing different parts. And, um, and I don't know if you caught this, just uh, literally a couple of weeks ago, this, this young lad, Milo Walton, became an internet sensation. Anyone seen this? And Milo Walton, basically, he was so excited about the part that he got in the nativity play in his school. I think Milo's onto something here, that he realizes that there are no small parts in God's amazing story. And, and so um, his mum basically films him in the car as he's about to break the news of this classic part that he's got in the Christmas story. Would you like to see it? Okay, uh, let's turn down the, cam- the, the lights and uh, watch the clip. Guess what I am for the nativity? I'm a classic one. Classic role, is it? Classic part? Yeah. Um, Joseph? No. Uh, uh, one of the three wise men? No. Uh, 
What are the innkeepers? No. Um. Call rejected. But it's a classic part. Yeah. Okay. Um. You tell me then, cause. I'm door holder number three. I'll be holding doors. That's amazing. Holding doors for who? Um. Probably. Um. Joseph and Mary. Oh my gosh! Were you pleased when they said that? Yeah. What and did you, what did you do? And I was like. I'm a door holder. Get in there. Let's go. Yeah. Whoa. And, and and maybe because there's no room, I'll probably be just low, be like just coming in, and then I'll just slam them in, slam the door in their face. <laughs> Is that your star role? I'll probably, maybe I'll probably be dressed up as a door. <laughs> there you have it. Come on, let's hear it from Milo Walton. Don't you just love that, though? He says, I'm a door holder. Get in there. Let's go. Come on. Practicing for ages. But, but when I saw that clip, I really thought, you know, I think Milo Walton is onto something here. That he realizes, like I said, that there are no small parts in the origin story of Christmas. And there aren't. Like, everyone matters. Everyone has a part to play. We're all familiar with some of the key characters. We've got the angel Gabriel, Mary and Joseph. We've got poor shepherds on the hills. We've got wise, wealthy astrologers from the east. But actually, if you look at the origin story, there are loads of other names that feature. Like, there's a guy called Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth. And, and they have uh, a son, John, who's going to become Jesus' cousin. And then there's a lady, Anna and Simeon. And they were priests working in the temple and they were longing for God to break through and bring them, uh, set them free from their oppression. And there are many other names that I could mention. There are no small parts in this Christmas story. And yet, as Nicholas reminded us, the smallest part ends up being the most significant, the baby. This baby Jesus. And just reminding us, verse 4 from that John chapter 1 that Nicola quoted. John, one of the writers of the gospel, he says, It was Jesus who gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought life, light to everyone. And that light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And, and when John is writing this, like he's being controversial, he's being really provocative because he is saying that the God who gave life to everything has stepped into history and become a human, has become one of us. And, and not just because he came to identify with the full human experience that, that Jesus knows what it is to have joy and pain, success and struggle, hopes and fears, that all the things that we go through in our own lives, Jesus experienced those things. And not just to reveal to us what God is like. What is Jesus, what is God like? You look at Jesus, he is full of peace and strength, and comfort, and hope, and forgiveness, and freedom, wisdom, direction, identity, purpose, light, and life, John says. And ultimately, in another letter he writes in the Bible, he is full of unconditional love. He is love. Not just to do that, but actually to offer us the best and the brightest of hope. To bring divine light 
into the darkness that we sometimes experience in our lives. Let's face it, life isn't always gray. Sometimes we experience darkest, even in the darkest hours, like Jesus comes to shine the light. And not just light, but to offer life. And life that goes even beyond the greatest enemy we all face in death. And, and, and John points to this small part, this baby, and, and dares to say, that's what this baby is about. That's what this baby will grow up to be. Jesus the Christ bringing hope and healing and wholeness to broken lives, to a broken world. Jesus 2,000 years ago was good news in a bad news world. And thousands, literally tens of thousands of people flocked to him. And 2,000 years later, Jesus is still good news in a bad news world. And billions of people now follow him. Which is crazy when you think about it. Because this, again, this insignificant small baby that's currently in the story nestling in a wooden cattle trough would 33 years later be nailed to a wooden cross. We've just sung it now. And in that story, the Easter story that follows the Christmas story on that fateful weekend, in the most stunning act of self-sacrifice... The loving, perfect, selfless God revealed in Jesus bears the full weight of our imperfect, self-centered lives upon himself. He dies our death so that we can receive his life. His life becomes fallen so that we can be forgiven. He is broken so that God can put us back together again. And to prove that he is God, he does the thing that surely only God could do, which is to come back to life again. And three days later in this story, Jesus tears a gaping hole through death into new resurrection life. And because of this, because of his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection, He extends an invitation this Christmas, this moment, to each and every one of us. And it's the invitation that John's talking about in John chapter 1, verse 4. That you can experience the light and the hope of God in any darkness you face. And as John puts it, that darkness will never extinguish the light. Light will always win. And not only that. But you can experience not just the light of God, but the life of God. Which means that not even death gets the last word on you and me. What Jesus promised 2,000 years ago, friends, he still promises today. Peace and strength. Comfort and hope. Forgiveness, freedom, wisdom, direction, light and life and love. And not only that, but when you invite God through Jesus to be a part of your life, that he would sit on the throne, he would be the leader of your life, that you choose to follow him, then you too discover that there are no small parts in his story when you're involved. 
You get to join in with what Jesus is doing, seeing more of heaven break out in the world right here, right now. When when God's power is at work in you, when you surrender to him, you find that he gives you the power to be not a reservoir, but a river. A river of that comfort to others. That hope, that joy, that peace, that strength, that wisdom, that life, that love, that light flows to you and then it flows through you to others. There are no small parts in the story of God. Everyone has a part to play. Back in 1999, which feels scary that this is 24 years ago, I, um, I took my two sons to see the brand new Star Wars film. Uh, so it's kind of episode one, but it felt like the fourth one. Does everyone know what I mean? How, how many people saw that movie? Bit of a disappointment, wasn't it? It was kind of okay, but it wasn't great. So I took them to go and see it, and they were much, much younger. They're 30 and 27. You do the maths, 24 years ago. And afterwards, we came home. We're sitting around the dinner table, and Andy is opposite me. He's my eldest, and uh, he's like scratching himself. He was, he was in the middle of the summer. He's scratching himself, and I was like, Andy, what's wrong with you? Like, what, why are you doing that for? And, and his mum goes, oh, he's got prickly heat. Like, he suffers with it every summer. And I was like, does he? Because I'm clearly a good dad, really in touch with what's going on with my boy. And um, she goes, yeah, 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 he does. And so I was like, why is that? Like, why does he get prickly heat every summer? And my son, my youngest son, Dan, he looked at me straight in the eye and he just went, because he's the chosen one. (laughs) Bit too much Star Wars, I think. But it was a funny moment for me because when he said that, I laughed at first. And then I thought, no, he is the chosen one. He was created by a God who has chosen him to live a brilliant, bright, unique life that no one else can live. It's the same for Dan. It's the same for Gillian and Joe. It's the same for Lewis. It's the same for every single one of us. God uniquely and fearfully and wonderfully created us. To know him, to have him in our lives, the light, the life, the love of God. And to discover with him the amazing things we can do when we partner with the divine. To see the life of God flowing through us and bringing good news, just like Jesus was good news in the world. Because there are no small parts in the story of God when you say, yes, there is something for all of us to do. When God is at work in us. So I'm going to say a, a little prayer. And, uh, and as you listen to this prayer, you might want to think about whether this is a prayer that you can say amen to. Maybe even for the first time this evening. And so uh, let's pray. God, I am sorry that I have tried to be the boss of my own life. I realize that I am not smart enough to make everything right. And I can't fix everything myself. And I know that I have said and thought and done things that fall short of all you created me to be. I have the capacity to say and do hurtful things that are not good for me, not good for your world, not good for others. I'm sorry. But I thank you that you don't turn away from me, but you lean in with an embrace. You love me. And you prove that love 
because you broke into history and you lived and you died and you rose again to offer me life with God now and for all eternity. I want to receive that life. I want to know you. I want you to be the main character in my story and that I follow after you. Would you help me? You know all the things that are going on in my life. Would you give me strength and power to face those things and to be good news in a world where there's so much bad news? I give my life to you. Take it. Heal it and use it. Bring heaven to earth through me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.